around ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today we start with our Meet Me in the Field, another Green Patch series. This is a mini-series about meditation as a spiritual practice. You may have noted that many of my guests mention that they meditate as one of their spiritual practices. Others indicate again that they do not meditate because they find it too challenging as they do not know how to switch their minds off. After a conversation with my husband, I decided to do a few episodes on meditation. The idea is to get a meditation teacher in to come and talk to us about meditation for beginners, giving us pointers on how to start meditating as well as discussing the do's and don'ts of meditation. I ask questions based on my own experience and get clarity on what is okay and what not. So I roped Janine in to come and talk to us and guide us in this regard. She is the healer from episode 3. Not only does she heal, but she teaches meditation as part of the holistic healing process. We are going to let Yaku, the husband from episodes 1, 14 and 28, who does not meditate at all, listen to Janine's guidelines and then start meditating. He's going to record his experience, observations and feelings as he gets along and that will become the second episode in this mini-series. The third episode, we will be getting Janine and Yaku together to discuss his experiences and for him to get more guidelines in this regard. I hope that Meet Me in the Field, Another Green Patch, will help you in your spiritual journey. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Meet Me in the Field also enjoys the support of African Travel Kit Adventures and Tours, the travel company that will help you to make the unknown your known. Check them out at africantravelkit.com. So, make yourself comfortable and allow Janine to take you on the wonderful path of meditation. Enjoy! Madam, we have Janine the Healer. Which episode were you? I think three or four. One of the very, very early episodes. And it's awesome to have you back. Thanks, Freddie. Um, yeah, I'm really not sure what number the episode was, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. So I'm very thrilled to be with you again. Today, we have you here for a specific reason. I had an episode with my husband a while ago. No, not I had an episode with my husband. I recorded an episode with my husband. <laughs> Different thing. <laughs> <laughs> I recorded an episode with my husband the other day and he said something along the lines of why don't I do an episode about meditation because a lot of people would like to meditate but they don't know how and they don't know where and how to start. Then I started looking for somebody who could teach and it was quite difficult and then you mentioned that you teach. Oh my God, I didn't think about you. Because <laughs> so, in my back of my head I knew you taught yoga but I didn't know that you do it for meditation as well. Hmm. So here you are going to teach us today, let's call it meditation for dummies. <laughs> but before we go there, how are you doing? 
So at the moment I'm feeling just thoroughly blessed. It's like the universe is just throwing blessings down upon me and I feel like a plant that's been in a drought for years and years <laughs> and years and it's just going thank you for everything. So in a lot of ways life is is wonderful. On other levels physically uh, I've got some physical issues which need taking care of which may require some hospitalization so I'm a little bit nervous about that but at the same time at least I you know I know where I'm heading and know what what are the next steps in order to get myself back to health and I'm really grateful for that as well. But this is also something that you've been struggling with for a while so eventually you have a diagnosis mm -hmm. that now can be fixed because you, am I right? No it's it's apparently a congenital disorder so this is the thing with with healers and with people generally is we're always teaching what we need to learn the most. Mm -hmm. and Richard so, Bach. Yeah, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so kind of healers are, are people who've managed to heal themselves in a sense and I must be really good at that because having been ill most of my life, I'm constantly ill and then healing and ill and healing. And so I've come to meditation as a means to help myself heal. Like before in my life, I was often prescribed with lots of medication from doctors and people which had a lot of side effects and which didn't always suit my body type. I'm an incredibly sensitive person. So what I eventually realized is that meditation for me is actually the medication. Okay. For years I was very, very depressed and then somebody recommended um, transcendental meditation and I was like, oh, that's that guru that speaks all of those <laughs> funny ways. Hmm? And I thought they were kind of joking. I see floating when you say transcendental, where you lift up from the ground. Is oh, that... no, no, it's, it's not quite that. <clears throat> but they, um, they give you specific mantras to work with. And your mantra is your own particular brand of energy. Now, mantra is a, a seed form of sound energy. So a word that you would repeat again and again. And seed mantras don't really have any literal translation, but they're almost the energetic equivalent of whatever's kind of missing, what you perceive as missing in your life. So for me, sometimes abundance has been like an issue. I've always thought that I... You know, I've been striving to be abundant on all levels, but always feeling like it's outside of myself. And so I've worked with this mantra for years and years and years. And then it came down to the other day I was working with a lady doing singing and suddenly I connected to the quality of this Lakshmi energy. Lakshmi is the goddess of um, abundance, also of one's connection to your divine purpose and all sorts of other things. And I suddenly connected with that on the inside and realized that all of this abundance is actually inside of me. And so my task is not to seek it externally, but to actually just bring what's internal out. It's kind of like this flowering process. And that's also how I see healing. Like we can do all these things on the outside to try and medicate ourselves and fix ourselves. But actually at the end of the day, it's only when you have that internal change of perception or belief yeah, just sometimes a change of an idea in your head can completely transform the way your body is actually responding in a situation. So, so for me, it's very much around an inside-out job. And we moved away from this concept of Piscean age where everything was kind of patriarchy and you have to follow a specific teacher and, you know, all of this dominance kind of stuff. And we're now moving into this age of Aquarius where it's really around groups. It's really around who are we as a species. 
and also this there's no longer a need for an external teacher you are your own teacher uh, ah. my my um, Reiki teacher who I originally studied with like 20 years ago she always used to say guru means gee you are you <laughs> I thought that was so sweet because that is sweet, yes. at the end of the day that's actually all you have to do yeah. is be a hundred percent yourself and then you are living in alignment with your divine purpose and doing exactly what you should be doing <laughs> gee, at any you time you are you I like that that's so cute <laughs> that's very sweet <laughs> yeah. so did you start meditating even before you came into recovery look as a child i think i was kind of trained into meditation by my parents we'd go for long drives from joburg to cape town and we were told to you know shut the beep up in the back of the car and so i'd have to sit there quietly and kind of just look at the landscape and feel the landscape and observe the landscape and you know that that silence eventually worked its way into me and that was the kind of first inkling i had of meditation Growing up, I was very much in love with trees. And so one of my favorite hobbies is still to walk around just holding trees and sensing the different quality of energy between each tree. So I think as children, we, we have this innate capacity to connect with aspects of meditation. I mean, if you're sitting there even just fishing and you're looking at the water and there's all the waves and the quietness, one gets into a trance-like state. And trance is a completely natural thing for humans. I think this is often why people get drawn to drugs, is we've forgotten how to induce trance states in a natural way. And that space between awake and asleep, where trance is actually happening, it's a very broad band. And that there is where often where healing can take place as well. If you happen to pop an image into that space or you happen to pop a positive affirmation into that space that your body is able to accept or able to kind of be in that space and just be in the feeling of whatever it is you're wanting to create or the gratitude it's a very powerful place to actually imprint things not only into your conscious mind but into your subconscious or unconscious however you want to express that oh. mm. what is meditation so meditation <laughs> Yeah, you were also asking me about 12-step program originally, and I want yeah. to get back to that. Sorry, I tend to divert. <laughs> but I think there's a reason why meditation is so far down in the 12-step program. If you have to be in early recovery, or even just any normal human being, and you sit down to try and meditate, usually what people think is, oh, I have to now sit here and calm my mind and get all the thoughts out of my mind and be in this blissful, quiet state. And then they'll sit there, and it's like, like a hundred monkeys, yeah? And it's like, this is in no way relaxing. And and how many voices do I have in there? Exactly. <laughs> now that I'm quiet, I become aware of all of them. <laughs> exactly. And then your knee will start to hurt, and then your nose starts to itch, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it, this is terrible. And the more you practice, the more frustrated yeah. you get. This is. I, I know that. I, yeah. I actually stopped meditating at some stage because I thought it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing. Those thoughts and those voices, like, the thing is not all of them are even yours. Sometimes you are actually just aware of thought forms, of the people that are around you, that have been collected in the building that you're meditating in. They're sometimes voices of programming from childhood, teachers' voices, your parents' voices, your own critical voice. And so there's all of this monkey chatter, which can literally drive you mad in the beginning. And I think this is why a 12-step program is so useful, because we're working 
particularly with the fourth step of like dealing with all of that stuff, which is all the icky, sticky mess of what we've created. And by clearing it up and cleaning it out, it actually gives you an opportunity that at least one layer of that very big onion has been removed. And it gives you a hope in hell to be able to meditate. So when people talk about yoga, they're often thinking about asana, the actual movement part of yoga. They think about postures and the exercise and that sort of thing. Now, yoga, in a sense, means union. It's actually the purpose of it is to unite your conscious mind with your superconscious, with the part of you that is connected to the whole. Now, the exercise part of it is really just to balance out your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So basically to get you back out of a fight and flight response into a rest and digest um, kind of response. So that you can be relaxed enough to eventually start being able to calm the chatter in your mind. So, So yoga in itself, what we think of as yoga, is really just basically preparation. And people practice physically for years and years, just in a sense to be able to get your body to a point where it can be comfortably still. So yogis generally, they would meditate like, you know, you see this cross-legged full lotus on the floor. Please don't try this at home. You know, <laughs> most yogis take an hour and they've been practicing for years and years, but they'll take a really long time to warm up their joints and their muscles to be able to get their legs in that position in the first place. So that's why it hurts to sit in that, or to try and sit in that position. Yeah. If it's hurting, it's not not really conducive to the yoga in the first place. There needs to be a a sense of ease and comfort. So really, you know, some people say you can't meditate flat on your back. Personally, I have a lot of experience with with meditating from, you know, times when I've been ill. I haven't been really able to sit, so I've been lying flat on my back, and I've learned to meditate quite effectively like that. But ideally, you'd want to be sitting. And Why? The main thing is to keep <laughs> your spine erect and free okay. and vertical. Because in a sense, if you're sitting in a chair, it's actually a wonderful way of working. The Taoists work that way. The soles of your feet are connecting to the earth. Now, there's a saying, you can only go as, as high as your roots are deep. So it's very important to stay grounded. And what a lot of people think of as meditation is like, you know, when your head goes, and you go away into outer space and you leave and then you come back. For me, that's not actually the best form of meditation because it's, it's in a way perpetuating that leaving of the body like you would experience when you had a shock. The better idea is to remain physically connected to your body. So if your feet are able to touch the ground, the soles of your feet can be like fibrous roots and literally be sucking up earth energy to connect you and root you to the earth. And then you've got this lovely free spine. And if you imagine like how dolphins swim, that kind of undulating movement, when you breathe, your spine and your cerebrospinal fluid is kind of moving through your body. So... One of the things with meditation is to, one of the tools is to focus on your breathing. And you may find, maybe we can do that as an exercise. So if you're just having your feet flat on the floor and sitting as upright as I'm you not, comfortably can. I'm not can. doing this, what yeah, you're well saying. <laughs> and if you need a cushion behind your back, you know, so you make okay yourself to have comfy. The back supported. Yeah, I okay. mean, comfort, you know, I'm a comfort bunny. You've got to be comfortable, <laughs> otherwise what's the point? So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the physical breath. So you might notice that your breath is moving in and out of your body if you're alive. 
And <laughs> for those, you know, for those, all, all. <laughs> and it'll be moving in its own natural way. So some of us breathe quite shallowly, and some of us breathe quite deeply. And just for a moment, without changing your breath, just notice how you're breathing. Notice when you breathe, which parts of your body move as you breathe. And without judgment, there's no right or wrong here. It's just seeing. My chest moves. Okay. Strangely, if I sit, my chest moves, but when I lie, my tummy moves. Okay, cool. Is that okay? It's all good. Cool. So you'll notice that when you take a breath in through the nose, that the air is moving in through the nostrils, it'll move down through the back of the throat, it'll move into the chest, maybe it'll move down into the belly, and you might feel a sense of very gentle pressure on the perineum. So the perineum is that space between the anus and the genital organs. On the out breath, that pressure will release and the air will leave the tummy and the chest and the throat and the nose. And you'll notice also that there's a difference in temperature. If you just focus on the tip of your nose, between that in-breath and the out-breath. If I'm breathing in through my nose, the air feels slightly cooler and slightly sharper maybe. And when I'm breathing out through my nose, it feels slightly warmer and kind of more rounded. And so you can notice the quality of your breath if you had to give it a word. Um, when you're just naturally breathing, what does it feel like? Does it feel raspy or smooth or jittery or uneven or comfortable? For me, it's immediately relaxing. Okay, to focus on the breath. The minute I focus on my yeah. breath, there's a sense of okayness. Okay, awesome. Immediately. Mm. And the thing is also with breathing, so now with that... With this physical breath, we, we're following the physical process of the breath moving in and out of the body. At the same time, energetically, when I breathe in, it's almost as though my body kind of expands and there's a sense of lifting. And when I breathe out, there's a sense of relaxation and kind of softening. And so you can work with the breath in meditation in various ways. If you're finding you are stressed, then you will find that your breath is often in the tops of the lungs and kind of quite shallow and it's quite difficult to get the air even anywhere near the ribs or the belly. Whereas if you are in a calm and relaxed space or would like to induce a calm and relaxed space, all you really need to do is let your in-breath be the same length as your out-breath. So you can count in your mind what a comfortable in-breath would be for you. Four. And then allow that out-breath to be the same okay. length. Just quickly want to check if I understood correctly. To get the in-breath and out-breath the same length, that is relaxing. Mm. That, it that, balances that, that balances. Out. Okay, cool. So it'll balance out your right brain, your left okay. brain, your in-breath, your out-breath, your receiving, your giving. Mm. And Janine, sorry to interrupt you there. Mm -hmm. One thing that, that, that always bothers me about this breathing is 
do we keep the breath in? Do you mean do you hold like it? Like breathing? Hold and breathe out. Or do we just breathe naturally? Okay. So <laughs> so there, you'll always find at the end of an in-breath that there's a natural little pause, like a little pregnant pause. And in yoga, that pause can be extended. So you can do, for example, square breath, where would you, you would be breathing in for four. So you breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, yes. two, I did three, some group four. meditation at some stage mm -hmm. and that's that's how we did mm -hmm. that so I tried to do that on my own but mm -hmm. I found I was becoming too obsessed with accounting yeah exactly. and I couldn't relax mm -hmm. and also for some people like I think if you've got high blood pressure or that sort of thing then holding the breath is not necessarily what you want to do and some people holding the breath actually stresses them out yeah I think I was one of those people. Yeah. I didn't enjoy doing it at all. So it's more, the easier way is to just do in-breath, two, three, four, and it's like the crest of a wave, and then that wave turns and you're breathing out, two, three, four. So it's not even a full count, that pause, okay. but it's just like a momentary change yeah. in a different direction. I can see the wave yeah. the, as it at the top. Waves are very useful, imagining that, because okay. if you're at the sea, you literally watch that wave come in and it'll take, it goes and goes and goes and then it sort of pauses right at the end with all those bubbles and then shoo, it sucks back in. And it's that basic flow that we're trying to get back into ourselves, okay. that connection with nature, because nature is all about yeah. rhythm. I had a sponsor who always, whenever I complained about something, he said, you seem to be on an up, or you seem to be on a down. You never try to analyze what's going on. You always said, Freddie, life is about flow. It comes mm. in and it goes out. And he, and he used to, he, yeah. I'll never forget the hand movement that I'm doing. It comes in and it goes out. So very elegant. In oh, and lovely. Out. So I'll never forget it. I'm so grateful for Ian to have taught me that because I stopped analyzing the why of things mm. and just. It's a flow. And it's the same with other things, that wave and that flow. If you have a healthy, exciting, joyful dance, and then you do a deep relaxation afterwards, you've got this peak in energy and joy and bliss and wonder, and then that drop into deep, deep relaxation and calmness, that's actually ultimately what brings about the healing of your, your parasympathetic okay. and sympathetic nervous system. So everything in life is around contraction and expansion, and that's what breathing is at the end of the day. And that's what sounds like meditation is about, mm. in a way, as well. So let's just quickly recap to see if understood correctly. It's okay to lie down. Would mm -hmm. it be better to lie on the floor? If you're going to lie on the floor, there's, there's a pose called um, corpse pose in yoga. <laughs> now, it sounds like, what the hell? And people think, oh, it's that pose where people lie around and do nothing. <laughs> Actually, it's one of the most difficult postures in yoga to attain because you preferably would be lying on a, a carpet or a yoga mat or something that's warm. And you lie with your feet at a... So definitely don't lie on a tall floor. You don't or, want to be cold. cold. You no, need you, to be warm. You've okay. got to be warm. So again, the comfort thing. Comfort, okay. yeah. Cool. I mean, if it's a really hot day, cool is okay. Yeah. The more you relax, get colder and colder. Oh, okay. So if you start out cool, you will end up cold, which <laughs> you don't want to do. freezing. Yeah. <laughs> so the trick with that is you're lying with your feet 
at least like hip distance apart. Okay. I'm going to do it on the floor while we... Okay, Freddie will demonstrate, not that you can <laughs> see. I'll, I'll start from the floor, what I'm experiencing. Okay. Okay, so... So Freddie's looking down towards his feet and checking that his body is aligned, and okay. that's a very good thing to do. And then you very carefully place the back of your head back onto the floor with the chin slightly tucked in so that the neck can stay nice and long. And that's also to elongate the, the spine, am I correct? Exactly. Okay, so and you always want the spine to be kind of elongated. Yes, yeah. okay, cool. And right. just check with your head. Some people, they if you lie on the floor, their chin will be like right up. And then you would maybe need to need have a cushion under your head to make sure that your head is in line with your spine. Different bodies, different things. Freddie's beautifully aligned. And his feet are flopping out to the sides. Now what that also does is it reminds the body that you're safe. It kind of opens up into the thighs and when the toes are flopping out like that it's like ah I'm actually safe and comfy here. So I can allow it to flop as far as it wants to. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Because as I'm relaxing now, I can feel it flopping out more. Exactly. Okay, cool. And then you would allow your shoulders to just sink a little way down away from the ears. And you have the arms at about a 45 degree angle away from the body, with the palms facing upwards. There we go. Ah, okay. Yeah. And so it's a complete surrender. Well, and I can feel the shoulders also moving closer to the floor. Exactly. So that, cool, yeah. So that relaxes the shoulders automatically. Yeah. Cool, okay. And then while you're in this position, you are going to start practicing something called sense withdrawal. So you close your eyes to the space that's around you. And sense withdrawal is actually one of the stages of meditation. So now when the eyes are closed, you automatically take yourself to the inner worlds. And then you just take your awareness to your breath and just become witness to the breath. So you don't have to do anything special with it, or even don't even have to do that 4-4 breathing, but you just watch the breath moving in and out of the body. Janine, I never know what to do with my tongue. Okay. <laughs> Does it have to be at the bottom of my mouth, or can it be slightly on my palate? Okay, so <laughs> it depends on the kind of meditation that you do. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. If, you, if you're lying on the floor in corpse position, you would want your jaw to be loose so that your teeth are not touching and your tongue is resting into the floor of the mouth. If, however, you are doing more of a, a Taoist kind of meditation where you're drawing energy up the spine and down the front midline of the body, you actually want to connect the tongue to the palate because that is the switch that allows the energy to then flow from the back over the head down the front of the body and you create like a, a circuit of energy through the body. So for a meditation beginner, what do you recommend? Okay, so there are various stages of meditation. One is the breathing, which we've discussed a little bit. The next thing is sense withdrawal. So that is very much to calm the mind. So obviously you'd want to keep your eyes closed. It's better if you're in a quieter environment if possible, but if, it's, if there's noise around you, then you just include that in your inner world. It's just the way it is. It is what it is. Yeah, then there's concentration. Dharana is what they call it. And you, you basically would be focusing on an object of meditation. So whether that's your breath, whether it's a candle, whether it's a yantra, so a sacred geometry design, or a flower, 
It's to develop that, that capacity to concentrate and focus. And that will be a picture you've got in your head because your eyes are closed. It can be a picture you've got in the head or you could use a candle or a ghee lamp. And you would literally gaze, spend time gazing at the candle at eye level. You look at the candle, concentrate, concentrate, concentrate. When you've got an image of that candle formed in your mind, you close your eyes and then you stay with that image for as long as possible. And on the inside, there'll also be a little dot, a little residue from your eyes gazing at that candle. When you start to lose concentration of the candle or that after image, then you gaze back at the candle. So this develops your ability okay. to concentrate. And then meditation is, in a sense, a passive merging of your awareness where you and the object of your meditation become one. If you are meditating and you are, for example, connected to your heart, it's as though your heart can then feel as though it becomes the very center of the universe and you can connect with everything about that in a very deep and meaningful way. Meditation is, in a sense, Fully, you're fully aware, you're fully conscious. It's not like you're leaving your body and becoming unconscious. You may have an expanded conscious in that you're not focused conscious. So you're not like looking in detail at a, at a very um, small writing. It's more like you're aware of the entire kind of nature beauty around you, that kind of difference in feeling. Once one's able to meditate for a certain amount of time, then this concept of samadhi happens, where you feel the sense of bliss and absorption, where the knower and the knowledge and the known are all one thing. Sorry, can I just quickly interrupt you there? So, mm. as a beginning meditators, the awareness comes from concentrating. So, if you say be aware of your heart, for instance, mm -hmm. do you concentrate on your heart? Do you think about your heart? So, I suppose for me, actually, a word focus would be more in, in my model of the world, even a better word than concentration. Okay. It's kind of you become witness and you become present and you become, uh, how can I? Mindful? How, yeah, mindful. And I'm trying to think of the right word here. You'll see the hand sign she's making too. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> With deep care, you, you become witness to whatever it is you are, you are meditating on. So as a beginner, basically you have to learn how to relax. There's lots of other tools in meditation like visualization. And that's really useful because then you can give your mind something to do. Because that monkey mind is going to bounce around all over the place. And so if you go internally and you create for yourself in your mind's eye... A sanctuary somewhere that's absolutely how you would want it maybe all your you know you go for a little walk on a path and you go through this lovely forest and there's rivers and you come to this gorgeous cave and in this cave is everything you need maybe all your library books are there your you know favorite coloring in books whatever it is and you create like a little sanctuary for yourself on the inside a safe space a safe space ah. And the more you visit that safe space, the more you can feed into it, the more you can create with it and kind of go there to rest and kind of be. So it's okay for me to lie down, close my eyes and then visualize myself taking this journey, walking a beautiful path, mm -hmm. getting to my safe space, mm -hmm. opening the door, walking in, choosing a book, for instance, 
sitting down, really relax and just feel that safety, feel mm -hmm. that calm, feel exactly. that mindful relaxation. Exactly. Okay, mm. cool. Because ultimately you wanting your body to be feeling safe and relaxed. You wanting to, if you're working with visualizations or affirmations, have them really positive. So you make them as beautiful and as nurturing for yourself as humanly possible. Oh, I struggle with affirmations. Yeah, the tricky part with <laughs> affirmations, yeah, that, that is a very tricky part. Because my mind is telling me, no. Exactly. I am a positive person. No, I'm not. <laughs> exactly. So this is the one thing with affirmations, yeah. If, if you're going to work with an affirmation, you may need some help to actually install it. So, for example, you're, I'm a positive person. If you just add a but to the end of that, your mind will tell you oh, all of the things okay. like... Uh, you, I'm a positive person, but actually, I'm really not. When I wake up in the morning, I'm the grumpiest ass in the world. And it'll give you all of the, the information that your unconscious mind is kind of actually installing when you work with that positive affirmation. So this is one way that I've worked around these, this affirmation story, because you can affirm to you blue in the face. All it's going to do is create a new imprint in the conscious mind. The trouble is where all the mess is, is in the unconscious mind. And so if you work with a positive affirmation like that, I'm a positive person, but you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but I'm the grumpiest thing unless I've got my coffee. <laughs> you can use things like emotional freedom technique to tap away. Now this, if you haven't got context of this, it sounds like a bit bizarre, <laughs> but you're literally working with the, the body's natural healing capacity and tapping on specific meridian points, which it kind of reminds the body, it says, hey, there's a problem here, there's a problem here, delete this, clear it away. And so you can clear away all of those other things, like even though I'm grumpy in the morning because I don't have my coffee, I still would like to love and accept myself oh. anyway. Even though like I'm really not positive when somebody drives in front of me, I still would like to love and accept myself anyway. And when you release the emotional charges of all of that, then it starts to become possible to put that positive affirmation in, in a way that your unconscious mind is going to accept it for what it is, as opposed to all the, the negative stuff alongside of it. Ooh. The other thing which we haven't, we haven't spoken about is mantra and mudra. No mantra, but I've never heard of mudra. Okay, so, so mantra... Is that the female of... Mantra. Well, <laughs> so you'll notice like the typical yogi thing, everyone sits around going, oh, yeah, and they, they often sit there with their thumb and index finger touching, yeah. While you're touching on that, I always see pictures of, and also when I do guided meditation, invariably they say, palms facing upwards. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> okay, so it's more, with that it's around receptivity. And it's not necessarily a bad thing if you want to sit and meditate with your palms touching your, your legs, if that's more comforting to you. The thing is, when you are on the floor like we were working in that corpse position, or if you're meditating with your palms upward, it takes some of the sensation out of your hands, so you don't get distracted ah. by your physical sensation. Oh, okay. And it's also a more receptive pose. So, for example, there's Dhyana Mudra, 
and that one the right hand is resting on the left hand and both palms are facing upwards and they kind of held at belly height the thumbs are touching each other and it makes like a little triangle which they call a mystic triangle and this kind of internals an internal kind of flame and fire that burns away impurities that'll stop you from being able to meditate and so that mudra Mudra is like a hand position, if we haven't figured it out yet. Um, it, tran yeah. <laughs> it transforms mental distractions into clear perception. So if you're finding like your head's just all over the place, that's a very good one to do because it's, it kind of, it just helps to center and calm the mind. And the other mudra that you see a lot of yogis do is this one where the thumb is touching the index finger, the, the tip of it. And it's a gyan mudra. And this signifies wisdom. So it's basically the divine and the self-connecting. And in a sense, it also signifies an awareness of the illusion of the ego without an abandonment of self. Lots of Whatever words. Whatever that means yeah. to you. So <laughs> Listen to this five times and see if it makes any sense to you. <laughs> so, so basically all it does is it connects you with your higher self okay. or your higher power. In a sense, yeah. So, so, so when you see people making that lovely circle and sitting there like that, then that's what that one's doing. Because I often do that, but as if my middle finger wants to intervene and also be part of it. Wants to join in the party. Yeah. I always wonder if that's okay. Do I have now force the middle finger out, or no. is it okay if the middle finger touches? You'll you'll notice actually in meetings at twelve twelve step programs that people are unconsciously making mudras all the time, um, and mudras are a perfectly natural way of your body to balance itself out. But bottom line is it's not bad. Bottom line you is it's not bad at all. No, okay. no. You, you'll find some people sit with their thumb and their fourth finger, so your ring finger connecting. And that's, that's very grounding. It connects you to okay. your base chakra. Other people will sit with their fingers crossed and their index fingers pointing away from them. That one dispels negativity out of the body. Okay. And so you'll notice a lot of people sit like that in meetings. And ah. it's a very good way of clearing your body of energy. Another great way if you're detoxing is to connect your thumb with your middle finger and your ring finger. So it ends up looking like little chihuahuas with ears looking at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that one's a detox mudra. Okay. If you if you're having issues that your body's not clearing, detoxing properly, yeah. that's a really really good one to do. Oh, cool. So mudras are incredibly natural ways of working with the energies of the body, and each um, particular finger relates to a particular planet, and you can you can literally it's a whole science really this whole theory that we made out of stardust and like the zodiac pours into our body and the planets pour into our body is taken very seriously by the ancients and modern science is slowly but surely figuring out that what they were saying is not a load of hoo-ha it's actually scientifically proven wow. so for example the om that all of the yogis chant we all sit around going Exactly. So that long exhalation is immediately relaxing for the body. The OM comprises of A-U-M. And if you think of A-U being the symbol for gold, and this is actually the mantra that connects you with the sun, it all starts sort of making okay. sense on a level. It's also very soothing and relaxing and sedative to the heart. It's very good for addictive tendencies. Tell us a little bit more about mantra. 
Okay. I think we skipped slightly over it because we're going to mudra. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so mantra again. We were talking at the beginning about seed mantras. It's kind of how we started the conversation, and mantras are sacred sounds which don't necessarily have a direct meaning. It's not like they mean dog or elephant or foot or sunrise or anything like that. But the quality of sound really resonates into the body and clears the energetic body. So, for example, the base chakra, which if we're sitting would be kind of the base of the spine, the mantra that you can use to clear that is LAM. So if you have to do inhales and you do like a LAM. And unlike how you've been taught in choir, you don't keep the vowel long, you keep the consonant. My natural reaction will be to go, Mm. It's fine to keep the vowel long, but the mmm at the end is also working very deeply into your pineal and pituitary glands. So whenever you're working with sound, if you imagine a beam of light coming in through the top of your head, yeah, yes. and through your third eye, so the space between the eyebrows, almost just above there, where those two places meet in the center of your head, it creates a little sound chamber for your pineal and your pituitary glands. Oh. And your pineal gland is that gland that connects you with day and night cycles, your sleeping and waking, and your pituitary is really your master gland that keeps your whole body in shape. So when we are overtoning, like often people will say to focus at that third eye when you're working with the um, and that mmm, sending that mmm sound into the mind is very, very balancing and harmonizing for both of those glands. Okay. There's another like bee breath in yoga. You take a nice deep breath in and be like mmm and see how much you can get your lips and teeth to vibrate when you're doing that mmm sound and any tone that works for you when you breathe in again when it's your breath is naturally gone and then you just keep breathing like that so maybe we can just do like a quick round of mm -hmm. that so you're going to breathe in mm -hmm. and you hum for as long as you want any tone when you finished you breathe in and we'll just do a little round okay. and just see how it feels in your body out turning <laughs> you stop so we're going to connect with our feet and you're going to imagine that you're drawing energy in through the feet up as you inhale and as you exhale you can hum that sound through any body part so you can send it through your eyes you can send it through your heart you can send it out your thumbs wherever you're wanting to send some love okay so whenever you're ready This is the thing with singing as well, is like whenever you're singing and working with these sacred chants and mantras, it really, it's very, very good for all aspects of the body. And even if you can't do, you know, asana, physical yoga, the mantras, so Sanskrit is a very ancient language, and some of those mantras, what they actually do is they 
they assist you to clear out things that that you otherwise wouldn't be able to personally i've just found them incredibly helpful in my life i mean you don't have to be hindu or in any way religious to to practice and benefit from mantras so even if you just for example sitting in the sun in dappled sunlight outside and just listening to the trees and becoming like 360 degrees aware of the nature around you it's already putting you into a meditative state mm. when i was in rehab we, we did one meditation session where we sat like I, i'm sitting now mm-hmm. and so they played a, a tape in the background and all it said the whole time was I am the light of my soul I am bountiful I am beautiful I am bliss mm. and that in many different ways for awesome. about half an hour yeah. we just I'll never forget how fantastic I felt mm. during and after that so it that, was so beautiful that would have been kundalini yoga and there's okay. a lot in kundalini yoga for for addiction help there's ah. a lot of specific mudras and mantras and Yeah, I've been finding it like a whole different ball game to be so working with that. So that's a trick for a different day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. This is one thing that meditation will do for you. It'll get you in contact with your inspiration, with your imagination and your intuition. It's a very, very lovely way to work. Awesome. Right. There's one more question I think that I've got and I find it easier to do guided meditation. Mhm. Is there a specific yes for that or specific no for that or is it just if it works for you that's fine i think if you are starting out that's probably the easiest and best way to go guided meditations in a sense for me are really just visualizations and you might get to a meditative state but they're preparatory and the other thing to to realize is it's so much easier when you meditate in a group If you're finding it hard to meditate by yourself, if you have to go to a meditation group, the energy of the group kind of entrains ah. you and carries you. Okay. So it's almost as though someone's got a violin string over here that they play and they act like a really high octave. When you go, your violin string will automatically entrain to that particular frequency and all of you get into a bubble of energy and kind of can transcend quite easily. And the other thing is if you really want a nice quick quick fix is to go for some access bars sessions there's somebody i practice this from home but like you literally are held on specific points by the head and it drops you straight into that complete awareness and consciousness oh, which wow. is you and i find like for people who've never meditated and really want to get there but can't that's often like the easiest way okay. once you've had that experience of who you are as a conscious awareness being without all of the rest of the stuff in the way it's like oh that and then you have a way of getting back there a lot easier so you will suggest recommend that if you really struggle to meditate go for an access bar session mm. and then it will it'll definitely it help it'll definitely help yeah. cool mm. if for a beginner what what would be the right time frame obviously to try and meditate for half an hour yeah and stream sports baby <laughs> yeah so what what are we looking at kind of start with a 5 minute period 10 minute 15 mm. so time of day is also important as okay. well as the room that you're in so if you create a room or a space in your room that is dedicated to meditation maybe you have a candle maybe you have some incense or a picture of your guru or not that you need a guru but you know maybe your serenity prayer whatever it is it creates the ambience and the energy towards that meditation 
And then times of day when it's good to meditate is kind of at dawn or at dusk, when the, that sort of in-between space where the sun's going up and the sun's going down. The kind of quiet spaces of the day. Ah, they, they, exactly. They quiet spaces anyway. Yeah. And then if you can't do that, what I used to do, because my biggest problem with meditation is I find it incredibly difficult to do things regularly. When I do them, I can do them 100%, but to do it regularly is my biggest challenge. So to get into a routine yeah. or a rhythm of doing it. So a way I worked around that initially was to just make sure I got to every meeting I was going to 15 minutes early. And then I'd sit in the car and do 10 minutes of meditation. Okay. So I'd just have my feet off the floor of the car, focus on my breathing, do the same in-breath, same out-breath, and just rest and relax. And And it's very important to kind of also create like a bubble of sort of protection for yourself. So so it's also important to, to make sure that your auric field is intact. And now a way you can do that is again with the breathing. So for example, if you're breathing in for four, and you're breathing out for four, as you're breathing out, you imagine from your body that your aura is expanding like oh. a little bubble around you. When it gets to the out breath, it's as big as it is. You take another breath in for four. When you breathe out again, you expand your aura a little bit more around you until it's like a comfortable egg shape size for you. And I would really you feel safe in. Yeah, okay. recommend doing this every morning before you even go out into the world because that way your protection has come from the inside. You've created a safety and a sacred vessel in which you can move. So it's very important to create the right ambience when, you, when you're also working with cool. your meditation. Last question. So I meditate every morning lying in my bed mm -hmm. or on my bed, depending on the heat. And I do guided meditation with earphones in my ear. And invariably, at some stage during the meditation, my cat jumps on my chest. Oh, nice. Mm. And then he lies on my chest. Mm -hmm. And then I actually stroke him. Mm. Is that okay? Or is that taking my attention away? I don't feel it if it's, it's, it's taking my attention away. But he's purring and his satisfaction is giving mm. me a lot of satisfaction. Mm, mm. Well the thing is this is the lovely thing with animals. My chihuahua also used to meditate with me. He was so sweet. He'd come curl up in my lap and it was his favorite thing when I meditated. I think the thing is your cat is responding to your meditative state and it's almost like it's encouraging you. So maybe see as an experiment next time, if you could just lie there and receive what your cat is gifting ah, you. Okay. As opposed to like, because you Instead can pet the cat at, back, yeah. at, at any other time. Wow. But this is also the thing is, is so often we're giving, giving, giving in the world. Meditation is a time when you give back to yourself okay. and you're rebooting your batteries. That makes a lot of mm. sense because I, I, I struggle to receive. And That's... then you can make the purring of the cat your object of meditation. Ah. Like focus on that purring and see where you feel it in your body. Cool. It'll so be invite, whole invite track. him into this space. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Because okay. cats are healers as well. Yeah. You know, you'll oh, I see that so often in this room mm. where they where they go to the client because you're crying. Oh. Um, in my lap, client starts crying, jumps off and jumps on the client's lap. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Janine, anything else that you think beginners need to know mm. that we haven't touched on now? Sure. So it's, it's really, I find it quite challenging to, to break this down to, to beginner <laughs> awareness. I suppose 
the one other thing is walking meditations like oh. like if you're finding that like sitting is like just too much and your head's too busy if you just go for a walk somewhere in nature that's immediately going to raise your vibration now count your number of steps that are easy in breath would be maybe six steps walk 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 and as you exhale walk 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 etc by doing that you kind of will automatically calm your mind down as well essentially you're wanting to be able to be as big as the universe because that's who you are and you've got to start from your heart and then expand and expand and expand yeah it would be really nice to to be able to give you guys a an experience of that i don't know if there's time or if that's for a different um i would love to get you back for a different session mm. i want to talk about kundalini a bit more okay and also once because what's going to happen obviously is we're going to play this to yaku mm-hmm. and then yaku is going to start He's going to test drive and maybe once we've done that to come back and comment on his experience awesome i think that would be a lovely thing to do to see what he got just from this and then maybe if we could do another one then mm. we could do it more as an experiential one yes and so i could for example give you like the the seed mantras for each of the chakras oh, cool. and we could do an expansion into the universe yeah. one and a guided relaxation when you're lying on your back one um so that you have different experiences of meditation yeah. that you can kind of go away with. What I found really interesting about today was so many things that we discussed here in guided meditation the guide or the whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it tells you to do these things. Mm-hmm. For instance the light coming at through the top of your head the breathing out and expanding the aura but that never tell you why you do. Mhm. So to don't understand a lot a lot oh, more okay, about awesome. the why I'm being told mm. to do things. It's nearly as if they just accept you know. Yeah. And suddenly now I know and and, awesome. and I like I like that idea of knowing. Okay. Janine, thank you so very much. This was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's such a pleasure. I didn't know there's that much to talk about meditation. I thought you were going to say shut and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's basically it. Last thing is What I've learned is when the mind does race, mm-hmm. accept it as natural. Oh yeah, uh, that am we I, didn't even get to. Yeah, 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 am I correct? Sorry, accept that's it as the natural point. And just keep, <laughs> go, come back to what you're supposed to, or what you're focusing on. Exactly. Cool. Your mind is going to be like birds flying around. So you're not abnormal not for, for this to happen. Not at all. That's perfectly normal. All In, you do... Internal chatter is fine. Yeah. You avoid judging yourself, and you just realize this is what happens, and then you bring yourself back... with gentleness to the object of your meditation. So if it's your breath, you just bring yourself back to the breath and you stay there for as long as you can be. Maybe you're doing a counting meditation where you count 1 2 three, and then you're thinking about the dishes. Okay, you start at one again. One, two. Oh, now you're thinking about the mother-in-law. Okay. <laughs> One. Oh, damn it. I'm such an idiot. Okay. One, <laughs> two, this sounds so three. <laughs> the trees outside. You know, so counting meditation. I wonder what on the post is going to write. Yeah. I honestly found that kind of irrita- meditation <laughs> bloody annoying. Sure. But but it has been recommended by some people. So so whatever you're doing, you you just got to become witness. You become witness of your body. You become witness of your breath. You become witness of your thoughts, you become witness of your feelings, you become witness of 
everything. And when you're in that witness consciousness, you're already halfway there. Fantastic. Then you witness the one that's witnessing. Mm. Ah, <laughs> is, that, is that meditation 201? Boom, Peppy. <laughs> I've done a lot of meditation apps before mm. and suddenly for some obscure reason I've discovered Insight Timer and it's not different than any other ones that I know but it just somehow resonates with me. Awesome. And on there I've met a lady called Tara Brock. Mm -hmm. Oh she's and lovely. She, oh she's fantastic. Yeah. And she refers to this when your mind starts racing, relax back. Mm. I love her. And my other favourite and I think had I been straight I possibly would have been love this woman. Sarah Blondin. Okay. Live, live a life is her site. Oh my God. Mm. If you don't know Sarah Blondin. Oh, we'll have to be introduced. You'll have to be introduced. Yay. Oh my word. I did a Sarah Blondin again this morning. She's mm. excellent. She normally does a, a reading beforehand, but mm -hmm. that reading is normally so beautiful and so intense. I don't know where she gets it, whether she writes them herself. And then she says, okay, now close your eyes. And then you actually start with a meditation. Mm. But it's excellent. Love but Janine, I am so grateful. Mm. This was awesome. I'm looking forward to having you back for the recap and for Meditation 201. Awesome. The <laughs> remix version. <laughs> Thank you. Have a lovely day. Hey? Thanks, Freddie. Cheers, everyone. Wow, that was amazing. I think I learned a lot. But more than that, I got clarity on some of my own meditation practices, which I did not know if they were acceptable in the meditation realm or not. I feel a lot more confident about my own meditation journey now. The next step is to get Yaku onto meditation in his life and see how he experiences it. Look out for the next episode to hear how he gets along. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za forward slash or on Twitter at at Freddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. I want to thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.